Hey friends, welcome back to Female Founder World. I'm your host, Jasmine Garsworthy. And before we jump into the episode, I want to let you know about an event that we have coming up in New York City. Like I said in yesterday's episode, I have just come back from a big trip. I'm home and we're back to doing our community hangs in New York City. The next one's going to be on the 8th of September. And I don't have a registration link for you yet because we're still figuring out the details. But essentially, it's going to be in the Bala store in New York, which is just honestly the most beautiful space if you haven't been there before it's going to be first in best dressed so this usually fills up pretty quickly we'll send it out to our email list first so if you're not on that make sure you jump into our show notes and sign up so that you'll hear about the event as soon as it's available for you to register we'll have a fireside chat food and drinks we always have an amazing crowd of people who come to our events you're definitely going to find like your little entrepreneurial crew and i don't know The events are just, they're a networking event, but like there's none of that networking ick. It's very chill, very fun. I think you'll really love it. All right. So today on the show, I've got Stephanie Hon. She's the founder of Cadence, which is a business that actually is pretty difficult to explain on a podcast. If you just check out keepyourcadence.com, you'll get a really good feel for what she's created. But essentially, they're these beautifully designed travel containers for beauty products, like your serums, moisturizers, vitamins, supplements, that kind of thing. They're magnetic, so the system is buildable. You can keep adding new little containers. They're leak-proof, and Steph has completely nailed the branding as well. She started this business herself, basically by ignoring most of the advice that she was given. Now she manages a team of 25 and has a thriving e-commerce business. There's a lot to get into the show. I hope you enjoy it, and please drop us a five-star review if you haven't already. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start with a bit of an intro to Cadence for folks who don't know what you're building. What are you guys doing over there? Yeah, so we're a product innovation company that focuses in on how we can make it really easy and calm and seamless for you to take all the routines that you love at home with you on the go. So we build products that everyone else thinks are too difficult to make so that you can bring your skincare, your hair care, and so much more with you with total peace of mind and respect for the environment. I want to start in the early days of Cadence. I know that you are coming to this from a background in video and production. Take me back to when you're working your full-time job, you come up with this idea. What are some of the first things that you were doing? Yeah. So when I came up with the idea after years of years of having this pain point, I just started thinking about two things immediately. One, what is the brand? What is the spirit and energy I wanted to create that I wished existed? A universe that I could always go to. And then of course the product, what is the product going to look like? What are all of my pain points? And then how can we solve that through really thoughtful design? Yeah. And we were speaking at the beginning of this call before we started recording just about how, and I feel like everyone needs to go to your website now to get an idea of like how beautiful what you've created is. Like it's just the aesthetics. You can talk about, oh, it's travel packaging, whatever, but you actually need to look at what you've created to get a good feel for it because it is like clearly like very much a brand play as well because it's so beautiful. Thank you. That's very kind and means a lot coming from you. Thank you. When you were actually trying to get the business off the ground, what were some of the things that you're doing? You're obviously, I've read something on your Instagram about how you got a lot of advice early on and you ignored a lot of it. What was that advice? Why did you ignore it? The advice was from so many engineers telling us, listen, the designs and requirements you sent me are really nice, but they're just, it's just not possible. You're not going to be able to manufacture this. You're not going to be able to 
hit all of the marks, we suggest you kind of like boil a lot of the innovative parts of this down and make it a little bit more basic. And so what we would get in return is basically a bottle that already exists today in this world that you would not really want to fill and, and rely on. So just got a ton of no's from, from engineers and people in the manufacturing space telling us to change the design. And then also people from the business space telling us, hey, you should really just sell these in preset bundles, force people to buy a certain amount. And that was just never what we wanted to do. I wanted a company that I needed to allow me to build a custom set, a custom system for my routine because my routine is always changing, evolving, growing. And I wanted our product system to be able to do that with our community. I feel like when people say, oh, that's not possible, what they mean is that's not possible within like a budget that they think is realistic. Like it means it's expensive. What were you guys launching with? I know that you were bootstrapped in those days. Yes. So I had bootstrapped for two years and then right before we went to manufacturing, we said, okay, I need to quit my job and I need to figure out how to raise money to go and go into production. So we launched everything with, I had invested my entire life savings of, you know, $50,000. And then we had raised $400,000 from angels. I always like to also note this was not from friends and family, just because at the time, so many people said, oh, just go to your friends and family and raise. And I have amazing friends and family, but I just did not come from a universe where that was going to be possible. Totally. I always like to say that because it is possible to, to do it without that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important to say. Okay, where did that launch budget go? Obviously, a lot of it was on inventory design. Can you help me understand like a percentage went to here, a percentage went to here, like how you structured that? It's a great question. I would say number one, at least 50% of that went into our inventory for both packaging and production. Then, of course, design, creating the website, paying our designer. I wasn't paying myself at the time. My engineer also, he was living in a van in my driveway. So like employee budget was incredibly low, which allowed us to launch. Also, that's amazing. Is this engineer still with you? <laughs> yes, he's amazing. He's that's been awesome. my partner from day one. So I'm so much so grateful for, for him. And how long before you did start taking a salary? I feel like it's really important to kind of let people know that you're not always taking a salary from day one. Absolutely. Well, three weeks after we launched, the pandemic hit. So <laughs> interesting, oh. interesting timing. Yeah. For us, we really, looking back on this now, it was a positive thing because for, for our team, like we always say we are not a travel company. We're great for travel, super well suited for that, but we're a company for both home and away. And so the pandemic really pushed us to go, okay, Let's really talk about that, how people use our capsules day to day, even if it's just commuting to see a friend, going to the beach for the day. And then, of course, you know, the more obvious use cases come into play. So definitely not ideal. We made it work. And then Cadence really took off from that summer of 2020 on. So because of the pandemic, I wanted to be incredibly conservative. So I did not take a salary for the entire year until January, basically, of 2021 is the first time I ever took a salary. Yeah. And this is a story that I hear so much. And even from people who weren't, you know, building businesses early on during the pandemic is like, it's at least a year before the founder takes any kind of salary. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty standard. When I think about Cadence, like you've been on my radar pretty much since you launched. And 
not many brands can get that cut through. And I think the branding was a big piece of it because you really stood out and you spoke to like me and my aesthetic. And so I think that's why I was seeing you everywhere. But also I think you're getting a lot of press. What was your launch strategy and why do you think that you were able to cut through like pretty much immediately? Well, I'm so happy to hear that that was your impression. It's so nice to hear how people heard about us. It's always like such a great thing for me. For for our strategy, the biggest thing was transparency as we were building the business. None of our teammates, myself included, are influencers. But what we did is our message kind of slowly spread across our community. And I think people are fascinated with how businesses are built and the pain points and struggles. I think... I so appreciate your questions here because I don't think people talk about this enough, the realities of what it takes to get off the ground. And so, you know, we would show pictures of us at four in the morning at our WeWork. You know, we were driving around trying to meet different vendors or different manufacturers. And we shared that with people. I think they were really fascinated and they Mm. believed in what we were doing. And I also think this is something they needed in their life. And so- When we launched, we had a really big launch because people really had been with us across the journey. They knew this wasn't something where we went to some manufacturer, which would not be possible with our product, and just say, hey, can you you know, crank this out? They knew so much love and care had gone into it. So that's what I always credit our really successful launch to. And then we happened to be featured in a New York Times article the day prior. So timing worked out just very well for us. in the New York Times. <laughs> Just casually. Were you doing your own PR? Did you have an agency? Like how did that happen? We did it all ourselves. We did yeah. it all ourselves, writing, just sharing from the founder. Hey, this is what we're about. We would love mm-hmm. to share this with you. And I also credit it to really addressing something that is relevant, right? Our, our products reduce the need to buy single use travel sizes. And so that's a really relevant conversation. It really got scooped up into that. So I think it's always about solving problems that really need to be solved. I think it's one thing to, you know, say, hey, like we were telling our stories, we were building it, but like specifically, what were you doing? Were you posting this to Instagram? Were you guys on TikTok? Did you have a newsletter list? Like how were you sharing this story? And like who was doing that? Was it you? It was definitely me. Uh, The team of of two at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it was myself and our engineer, Graham, we would post on Instagram, number one, we do a lot of stories about behind the scenes of us at the WeWork or us at our warehouse. And that always had a really good reaction. Definitely once we launched, we immediately went on TikTok and we saw a really yeah. positive return and response from that. I also think our product visually will catch someone's eye. So TikTok is a great platform for that influencers as well, though I will say at the time, you know, it's always hard to reach out to get the word out there when people aren't familiar with your product or your brand. And so now it's a completely different story than it, than it was back in the day. So it was a lot of Instagram, a lot of learning how to run digital ads ourselves. And and then it was just word of mouth. It was word of mouth through press. Yeah, let's talk about the digital ads for a minute because I know that you guys are primarily D2C. You're still primarily D2C except for like some partnerships that you've done. And I think that like so many D2C brands were built through like 2014 up till 2019, just really just throwing money at, at ads and that's how, the, how they scaled. And I feel like 
a little bit more complicated now. It's a little bit more expensive to grow that way. Is that still the main strategy that you're following or how do you think about that with all of these iOS changes and yeah, the, the shift in pricing around acquisition through ads? Definitely. We've seen an increase for sure. We have not, not been in that boat. I will mm-hmm. say because Cadence is A, a product for travel also, and because it's so visually different, our the impact on iOS has been less on us than it oh, has really? been on other brands. Mm-hmm. It allows us to differentiate. And also because travel is booming, we see a really a high demand for our product, especially in this time. That yeah. said, definitely agree. Every brand right now is diversification is is number one, as you mentioned. And so for us, partnerships has always been something we're really passionate about and get a lot of inbound because every brand is looking to provide their community with something that is sustainable and thoughtfully made and allows their community to bring their products in the go in a really reliably leak-proof, airtight way, which is something that t- took us you know, years of R&D to create. So we're lucky to be in that space where we have the opportunity to work with these like amazing other brands. And then also from a corporate side, we get a lot of amazing large businesses reaching out to us wanting to really bring that sustainability to their team who travels a ton. And so we get the Mm -hmm. opportunity to, every person who gets the capsules reduces really a segment of their single-use plastic for life. And that is something we're very passionate about and excited about with these partnerships as well. Yeah, I feel like that's a really smart like messaging approach for you guys as well. I think that there's so much interest in reducing single-use plastic. And so I think like having that as another angle. And I didn't realize that corporate like partnerships are a big piece of it for you as well. So that's like quite interesting. In terms of like, you know, you're mainly D to C except for some of these partnerships. Is the goal to be in like a Sephora? How do you see this playing out? Yes, we are in talks with retailers right now, figuring out which one is the right fit for us. And we can really expand globally with Cadence. We do have a growing international business as well. I think the whole world loves skincare and travel, and we are at an interesting place between the two. So definitely Mm. in conversation. And when we find the right partner, we're excited to really go big with them. Cool. And then just like keeping on this kind of like partnerships marketing track, I'm really keen to understand what some of the other like very specific things that you're doing are. So we know Mm -hmm. some of the brands we speak to, for example, are doing a lot of partnerships with other consumer brands. They're doing sample swaps and that kind of thing. Are you guys doing anything like that? Anything that you're like, this is smart. This was low lift. This worked really well. Other folks should try it. We definitely do a lot of the brand partnerships with other Mm -hmm. consumer brands. So that's something that works really well for us. We will do a code swap as long as it's a brand where it's a product that I've used a lot and the team has used a lot and we really believe in since we are so centered in that product innovation space. Any brand we connect ourselves with, we really want to feel like we can shout it from the rooftops and have, have a strong statement about it. For us, what's been really interesting to get into the weeds here is Google search for us is an incredibly scalable channel, mainly because... We've reinvented something that is very old in many ways. Like a travel bottle isn't a new concept. We've just completely reimagined it. And so we've been able to scale that channel in a really massive way. 
And so that is something that has been a surprise for us internally and something we've been really excited about. So that's one tactical thing. First of all, when you're talking about a discount code swap or a code swap that happens over email, you have another brand, you give them a code for your brand, they have a code that they give you and you basically have like something in the footer of your email. Is that how it works? Yes, we've really done like two of them. Probably the biggest thing besides what I've already mentioned is what you had brought up earlier, which is TikTok. I think the possibilities for TikTok are massive and then really working with the right content creators to be constant supporters for the brand from the ads channel perspective. I need to go back to this Google search question. I'd love to understand how you're approaching it, whether ads play a role Mm -hmm. in that, or if it's purely just like SEO on your website, who's helping you do it? Like, how are you thinking about it and why is it working so well? Yes. So definitely through ads. So we have our media buyer who's incredible. Mm -hmm. In-house or an agency? An agency. Bowery Boost. I will shout her name from the rooftops. They're amazing. And they run our paid ads, Instagram, and Google as well. We provide all the content and creative for our Instagram and Facebook as well as TikTok. But she will scale and does scale Google in conjunction with our amazing growth marketer, Kristen. I love that you shouted that out. I feel like that's such a like... People always say, oh, we've got an amazing, amazing agency. And then I say, do you want to give them a shout out? And they're like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm always happy to make recommendations. I yeah. mean, that was the hard part in the beginning, right? No totally. one wants to help or point you in the right direction. And, yeah. you know, we're, we always feel it's so important to share. This is something that I want to, like, put together as, like, a little free resource or database. It's just, like, the agencies and freelancers that did certain jobs for the consumer brands that you love because, A, like, it's great for those freelancers, like, those folks to get that recognition. And, B, that's how you refer people. And if you don't have the connection with the founder of a, of a brand, like, it's pretty hard to find out who's done that work for them, especially, like, ads and SEO where it's not, like, tagged on Instagram, you know? I want to talk about fundraising and how you've been funding the business. You you mentioned before that you had some strategic angels that you've worked with that weren't friends and family. Like what was the process? Because it sounds like you were raising right at the beginning, just on an idea and you didn't yourself necessarily, you weren't coming from the background of having built your own consumer brand before. So you didn't have the track record. First of all, how did you learn how to do that? I feel like that's like a very specific skill set. And how did you sell this on an idea? A thousand percent. You know, I think that, I am really passionate about founders um, feeling like they can build businesses even though they haven't come from the prior startup space. My philosophy always is that when you haven't done something before, it requires two things. One, it requires the awareness that you don't know everything and the skill to pull in and tap the right people and maybe nag people for thoughts, advice, jumping in a call, number one. That fills the gap of just industry knowledge to it's a huge strategy. It's a huge um, strength to not have done it before because you just don't see the walls and the barriers that other people might see. For example, I didn't know people would go to manufacturers and say, Hey, I want this product, but I want it to be purple and I want a little bit of change. I want it to be different. And that's how people made product. I had no idea that that is how so many products were made. I mean, we, we made all of our own tooling. Everything is from scratch. There's no way we could have done that. Yeah. But it's, it's, it didn't even cross my mind. And so there are a lot of things that have come from, this just seems logical. Business is 
so, <laughs> so logical. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's strategy and logic and building things with amazing people. So that's what I always say in my perspective on being a first time founder. And then from the fundraising perspective, I didn't know anyone in the space. I didn't have friends and family who could really invest, though they invested with their time and energy and love. So I went full scrappy mode and I just went on Crunchbase and I, I researched every company that felt like it was in our space. I looked to see who their angels investors were. I found them on LinkedIn. I asked them to grab a coffee. I went and typed in my school on LinkedIn and typed in investor, saw who popped up, grabbed calls with them. Maybe they introduced me to someone else and eventually you cobble it together. So the formula is asking around grit and recognizing that there are going to be people who see your vision. You just need to find the right people. And it's really hard. It's really hard to do back in the day. And I'm very passionate about helping as much as I can, just because it seems like this very inaccessible place if you're not coming from from a place of family and friends investment or even yeah. the startup space to begin with. Totally. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. It's like, let's bring people from non-traditional founder backgrounds and like help them grow actually like really big and meaningful businesses. So what you're saying is super, super helpful. In terms of like how you, because I feel like there's so much that comes from, yes, like you can start a business, you can launch, you can get traction, but then actually like scaling, you have, you said you had, you know, employees now, you've got quite a big team, you're managing your own fulfillment center. Like how have you as a founder upskilled through that process? Are there any books that you've read? Like anything that's helped you be, become the CEO of a larger business versus just the CEO of a scrappy startup? Yes. And I feel, I feel those shifts. I yeah. always say it feels like when you're playing those video games where there's like, you hop to a new level and you land there. And that's how different phases of Cadence have felt. I remember when I launched and after I'd been working in Cadence for two years, you're like, wow, we launched, what now? And so it, they certainly are chapters. Resources that have been really helpful for me, one, always surrounding yourself to the best of your ability with people who have built a larger business than you at that time, whether it's founder friends, having a friend whose business is slightly larger, bringing on advisors, building good relationships. That has been critical. I know easier said than done. I will say if you message founders to build relationships on Instagram, pick their brain, you'll end up building your founder community and friends. Also with advisors, reaching out, building a relationship with them, asking to pick their brain. That's how I've built my network. And in terms of books, Getting things done, super helpful. I would actually also recommend the book, The Great CEO Within. It synthesizes a number of great books for founders into a chapter. So instead of reading the whole book of getting things done, which that. is worthwhile, but <laughs> like founders are very busy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It really synthesizes it. So that is a great one that I had recommended to me. And Superhuman is also a great email platform that I love just making my life a little bit more efficient is always incrementally helpful. Nice. On the advisors conversation, do you have a formal advisory board or is it just people who are informally supporting the business? How have you structured that? Definitely a formal advisory board. Okay. What we does have... that process look like? Like if I wanted to do it now for what we're building, how do you, how do you go about that? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Usually it's through reaching out to them and starting a conversation. So on LinkedIn or commenting on an Instagram post that they made, the majority I will say are through people that have introduced me to them. Uh, For example, um, we have the co-founder of Netflix as an advisor, and that was through someone who I knew, knew someone who knew him. I, I though, had mentioned, hey, I'm really looking for a coach, someone who has built something that has been industry-defining, has changed the space. I need to talk to someone like that because they've been where we're going to be, and I want to be able to absorb and learn from them. Then I got introduced to Mark, who is fantastic, and we've been able to work together after a few conversations of really getting to know each other and making sure he wants to work with us and vice versa. So it's something that I say the ingredient is always putting out there what you're looking for, whether it's posting on your Instagram story or TikTok, like, hey, here's who we're looking for. Does anyone have any ideas of who would be great for this? And I hate that advice because it's kind of intangible, but it has worked really well, whether it's hiring for the team or building out our advisory board or meeting great investors that we've wanted to bring on board. It's just putting it out there almost shamelessly. Like, hey, does anyone know this person? We just met, but do you know an engineer? Do you know someone in that space? So. I feel very lucky to be in the position that I am. And I'm sure if I was listening to me say this like four years ago, I'd feel like, well, where do I even begin? We just have to start somewhere and you'll find a kind person who's willing to help. You'll probably run into not so kind people too who won't want to help. But there are those kind people out there, especially other founders. They're always down for a conversation in my experience and able to make one or two other connections that end up being really helpful. Yeah, I think that one of the words that you said in there about like shame, being shameless, I think that there's also just like a little bit of like swallowing your pride and ego to put yourself out there and just like ask for the help and also just acknowledging that you don't have all the answers and remembering that the people have been exactly where you are. Like they didn't come into this knowing everything they've been where you are and that they also had other people who helped them along the way. And so many people are happy to pay it forward. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. It has been so great having you on the show. Congratulations on everything that you've built with Cadence. I'm such a fan. Oh, well, I'm such a fan of everything you've built. And thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice chatting today.